Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition of the Fighter versus the Writer. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin, and today we have a great show. We're going to be talking to one of the best bantamweights on the planet. He makes his return to action on uh, September 17th in a main event for the UFC, taking on Song Yadong. I'm going to speak in just a few moments to Corey Sanhagen. A little later in the show, we're going to talk to one of the finalists coming up in the PFL playoffs. He will battle uh, He will battle uh, OAM. Olivier Albin Mercier in the finals of the lightweight division. Stevie Ray coming off a second consecutive win over Anthony Pettis. And uh, I've interviewed Stevie a few times, but this is actually a really interesting interview when you hear about what he has to say uh, regarding the fights with Pettis and uh, also a little bit about the pay in the PFL, which you've heard a few fighters kind of voice their opinions on when it comes to playoff pay in the PFL. PFL does a great job. Uh, paying guys, you know, tempting people with that million dollar prize. And we've seen some guys getting paid really, really well over there. Some girls as well. Of course, Kayla Harrison, uh, one of the highest paid fighters in our sport, uh, earning what I have been uh, told from uh, several very reliable sources is around a million dollars a fight. But there have been a few fighters complain about what they're getting paid in the actual playoffs. So we're going to talk to Stevie Ray about that. And of course, here in just a moment, we're going to talk to Corey Sandhagen real quick. Coming off a weekend with no fights uh, in the UFC, which is a rare instance, going right into this weekend with UFC Paris, of course, Tai Tuivasa taking on Surreal Gone in the main event, and Marvin Vittori against Robert Whitaker, probably the fight I'm most looking forward to uh, this weekend. Also, we got BKFC coming back this weekend uh, for an event over in Thailand. Uh, lots of stuff going on this weekend. But last weekend, there wasn't as much going on. Of course, we do have... Uh, we did have BKFC in Albuquerque. John Dodson picked up a big win. Uh, Christine Ferreira knocked out Taylor Starling in a matter of seconds. Uh, and I was tasked with covering the KSI two fights in one night boxing event. Now, uh, people, so I I fully admit I'm out of touch with the whole in social influencer thing. Like, I'm not saying I don't get it or I don't know it. I'm just saying I've never been 
super entrenched in that side of the world as much as I'm on social media. Uh, I, of course, know who KSI is from the two boxing matches he had with Logan Paul and things like that. And, of course, I've become much more familiar with Jake Paul and his boxing career, interviewed him before and things like that. But I have never felt older or more out of touch covering an event in my entire 20-year career covering combat sports than I did watching that event because they had, it was all social influencers fighting. And there were some pretty vicious knockouts in there as well. A dude named Salt Poppy, which was a new one to me, uh, got a knockout. But I, when it was over and the people buzzing and talking about KSI and blowing up, I mean, not I'm not kidding when I say blowing up, blowing up about KSI. I have never felt older or more out of touch covering an event. I was so out of my element. Uh, it was so bizarre. Uh, it's fun to step outside your comfort zone occasionally. And, you know, even more so that, you know, I'm not covering MMA, I'm covering boxing or uh, a different form of boxing, let's say. Uh, but man, I tell you what, uh, I'm on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that kind of stuff. But apparently my uh, pages never run you know, afoul of these social influencers because my God, man, it was so crazy uh, seeing the amount of attention and uh, fanfare, so to speak, that KSI got for that fight and those two wins over, let's be honest, completely overmatched opposition. One guy, Luis Pineda, was supposedly a professional boxer with a, a whopping two and five record. Uh, he did not look, he looked anything but a professional boxer, okay? I've seen I mean, I'm not, listen, I am not an athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but I think I've thrown better punches than Luis Pineda threw in that fight. I mean, that was embarrassing. But, uh, you know, when KSI lost his original opponent, he tried to find some gimmick to sell the fight. He ended up fighting two guys in one night. It worked. People care. And I'm not faulting him, man. Go out and get your money. Go out and get paid. Good for you. But it was just so bizarre seeing the amount of attention people were paying to that. And, uh, you know, it's going to continue building. Of course, Jake Paul's got a fight. He said he's going to announce for October. Uh, we got a social gloves event coming up next weekend where a pair of NFL legends are going to duke it out. Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson. Uh, Austin McBroom, who I had not heard of before fairly recently, taking on a guy in Anson Gibb, who's another guy that I think I've only heard of because I think he got involved in one of the Paul brothers fights, one of those kind of cars, whatever it was. So yeah, I'm just letting you know that uh, I'm going to be start having to do a lot of research on these people because people really do care about these cards. A lot of people care about these cards, whether it's the freak show element, whether it's just seeing, you know, people who have no business necessarily being in the boxing ring, going in there and duking it out with each other. I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, I don't care. It's not. It was not hurting anybody in terms of like you know exploiting somebody. Uh, I don't care how you're doing it. People care. I'll cover it. I got no problem with it. But boy, did I just feel. Uh, I mean, I I literally felt like the old guy, you know, uh, you know, yelling at his TV and and yelling at the old the kids to get off his lawn because I was so out of my element covering that event. And there's going to be more coming because people really care about KSI and really care about these social influences when they go in there and punch each other in the face. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes in the future. Uh, for now, we're going to talk about MMA, and we're going to talk about one of the best guys in the bantamweight division, Corey Sanhagen, who was coming off uh, a loss in his last fight to Peter Yan, of course, after he had the fight, very close fight with TJ Dillashaw fight that I truly believe he won. Uh, he's now taking on Song Yadong in a main event coming up in September uh, for the UFC. It's an interesting matchup because when you look at all the other possibilities that were out there, Jose Aldo, Marab Dwalishvili, 
uh, all the other potential top five, top six opponents he could have gotten. He got Song Yadong. Now, Song Yadong's a very good fighter. No, 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 no doubt about it. Uh, but it was still a bit of weird matchmaking considering where Corey is and established in the division and where Song is currently. So uh, we're going to talk to Corey about that. We're also going to talk to him about the bantamweight title fight coming up between TJ Dillashaw and Aljamain Sterling, uh, two guys he's very familiar with, and a whole lot more. So right now, let's speak to Corey Sandhagen. He is one of the top bantamweight fighters in the world, and he makes his return to action in a main event in September. I am always happy to speak to Corey Sandhagen. Corey, how are you? Yeah, man, how are you? I'm fantastic, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me as always. I appreciate it. Uh, before we get started on all the fight stuff, let me first say congratulations because I saw on your Instagram, you are now an engaged man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been engaged for about a year now or so. Oh, uh, I, uh, I saw the thing with your fiance. I thought it was your announcement. No, no, no. That was just... Uh, now I'm just I'm just soaking up that word because you don't get to really use it too long. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, are you involved in the wedding planning, or are you just leaving all that to her? Oh man, I I did my job. I I set up like a nice <laughs> thing to propose to her. I got a ring. I did all of that stuff. So now it's her turn. <laughs> now it's her turn. <laughs> now, do you have like do you know when you're getting married? Do you guys have a date yet? Yeah, so September next year. Oh, okay. So you got a little bit of time. So you're not like, well, going like right after the fight or anything crazy like that. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Well, uh, Corey, of course, big fight coming up in September. I do want to backtrack because I didn't realize, like, we talk pretty often. We do a lot of interviews, but I didn't realize, like, September will basically be 11 months since your last fight when you had to fight with Peter Yan. Was there, was there any particular reason for the time off? Was it just a matter of timing with the UFC getting a fight? Like, what was it? Because I know you like to stay active, but... When I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, 11 months. Like, it didn't even, it didn't seem right in my head when I saw the dates. Yeah, yeah, that was, that's a little bit of an unfamiliar feeling for me, too. Uh, it's mostly because I just had, like, a really busy last year. Um, I had, like, uh, I only had three fights, but it was kind of four camps because TJ had, uh, had pulled out of it, like, a couple weeks before we were scheduled for the first one. Then we had a reschedule. So I was kind of in, like, a really long training camp, but, um, yeah, it was just a really long last year. Uh, it's really hard to get, like, make actual solid improvements and, like, adding in tools into your game when uh, you're constantly thinking about and, and doing stuff for just one new opponent. So it was mostly just because I just wanted, like, a little bit of time to develop as a fighter and then also to just, um, you know, like rest my nervous system a little bit as far as competition goes. Sometimes competition can get a little bit exhausting. So uh, it was also a, a little bit of that too. So I feel good now. I've worked really hard in the last 11 months to like really improve and, and add some new tools into my game. And uh, I, I think that I've made like really big leaps and bounds since I have been able to have like a clear free mind without the stress of a fight. Uh, to add those things so yeah so I'm, I'm really excited that i got to have that time yeah so rarely in this sport do you get that kind of a break unless it's some unfortunate like an injury that's what we're used to hearing like oh i had a knee injury had a shoulder injury whatever it is knowing you consciously made that decision do you feel refreshed do you feel you know rejuvenated do you feel better like again i, I you know because i everyone's got their own timetable about taking time off so how are you feeling now you know obviously about a month out from your fight yeah, I, I'm ready to make another run, man. Like, uh, I, I know that that's kind of how this sport works a little bit too. Is uh, 
you know, you don't want like big gaps sometimes, like sometimes, you know, people forget about you really quickly. So uh, I kind of know that that's the way that the system is set up too. So um, yeah, I just wanted to completely refresh. I wanted to add a lot more tools. I wanted to like really improve on the areas that I really feel like I needed to improve in. And then, uh, and then I knew when I was ready, I would be able to take another run at it where we can line up like three, four fights after this. And I think that I'll, I'll be, I'll be ready for that because I, I just feel so rested. I feel rejuvenated. I feel uh, really ready to compete again without it feeling as exhausting as it maybe did before. Yeah, absolutely. Let me be, let me ask you this, Corey, because going back to the last fight, you know, we talked beforehand right after the fight got made, and it was you know short notice. You took the opportunity and you battled it out. It was a great fight. I mean, fight of the night, of course, it was an incredible battle. Um, can you give me like now that you've had time to reflect on it and and move beyond it? You know, I'm sure you've you know again you're you're now four weeks out from your next fight, but in a in a bit of reflection, like can you give me your thoughts on how that fight played out? Were you ultimately happy with the decision to still step in there, even though it ended up being a loss? Like, because I know hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like, you can look back and say maybe I shouldn't have taken it on short notice, or some people say hey, it was a great opportunity. You had a battle, you know. Credit to Peter Yan getting the job done. But how do you feel about it now that you're a little further removed from the fight? Yeah, sure. So, okay, so I I guess I think as far as the opportunity goes, um, I'm I'm glad that I took the opportunity. You definitely say yes to a title fight. Um, almost always like nine times out of 10. Um, so I don't regret taking the opportunity. I guess uh, it kind of put me at the end of the line with all of these matches that have been being made recently, you know, like the fights are happening now, but uh, a couple months ago, I feel like it put me at the bottom of the line as far as like uh, choice for the fight, you know, like I thought I was going to get Aldo, uh, Marab, Cheeto or Cruz, you know, and I didn't get any of those guys, which is what I wanted. And, you know, I think that the reason is likely because those guys are all coming off of wins and I'm coming off a loss, even though the loss is a short notice title fight. But, uh, and then the one before that, you know, was a razor close fight with TJ that a lot of people think that I won. So now I'm not too upset about the opportunity. I think it made me a lot, a lot better of a fighter. So I'm okay with it in that aspect. As far as the fight goes, I thought I was doing really awesome, man. Like uh, it was just getting dropped in that in that third round, late in that third round that kind of like messed up my fourth round because I was honestly on wobbly legs for the entire fourth. And then once my heart rate got a little bit lower going into the fifth round, I was able to kind of fight a little bit more like myself, but had to fight a little bit more reserved just because I knew that I couldn't take the damage that I was taking in the fourth round. So uh strategically i had to make like some changes which kind of led to me not being able to completely open up and for me to completely focus on winning it it became a little bit more about uh not taking too much more damage but you know good on yon he he landed a good punch late in the third it kind of changed the fight big time and uh and good for him you know but before that i think that i was really really out fighting them you know like uh I think that I was just showing that I was a better fighter and then all of our bodies are susceptible to getting punched and hurt and all of that. And he landed a really tough shot. And like I said, it put me on wobbly legs in the fourth. Couldn't get my shit together by the fifth. And then that's what lost me the fight. So, yeah, I know. I don't know a fighter I've ever spoken to who wouldn't love the chance to avenge a loss. So I know it's such a generic question to ask, but because this one happened under such weird circumstances, five round title fight, short notice, it's like, 
the best and worst of circumstances, right? Like it's the best because you get a title shot, but it's also the worst. You got to fly halfway around the world, five round fight, you know, short notice against, you know, a super dangerous opponent. Like, again, it's like the best and worst case scenario. So is there a part of you that says like one day, I hope I get to see Jan again, five round main event, whether titles on the line or not, but actually giving you a full camp and you're not flying halfway around the world to do it. And again, I know you're not making excuses. I'm just saying like you did have a weird set of circumstances going into that fight. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I'm not one to like, uh, you know, harp on those things just, you know, cause I don't want to sound like a little bitch pretty much. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but those things matter, man. All of the details, when you really think about it, you know, the beauty is in the details. And, uh, and so all of those little things, they do make a difference, but, um, yeah, definitely want a rematch with all my three losses in the UFC. I want one with Jan. Uh, I want one with TJ and I want one with Sterling for sure. So, you know, is that realistic? I don't know. But, uh, you know, if the cards play out right, all three of those I would love for very different reasons. Um, but, yeah, I definitely want those three ones back if I ever get the opportunity. Yeah. Were you surprised or, or at least let me get your thoughts on how the the rematch, you know, after you, of course, Peter Young went out and had the rematch with Aljamain Sterling. Aljamain got a bit of redemption. You know, he went through so much dealing with the DQ loss. And I, I legitimately felt bad for him because he was the guy who got wronged. He got, you know, he got just, he got knocked with a, with an illegal knee and, and somehow he became out looking like the bad guy, which I really did feel bad for him, but for him to come back and get a win, very close fight. He, he, he you know, especially in that second round, he dominated, you know, Peter came back in the late part, but I'm curious because you fought both guys. Were you surprised or were you impressed or like, what was your thought on how that fight played out? Uh, yeah, I was I was actually surprised, you know, uh, when people were asking me, I, I was saying that Jan was going to win. Um, and good for Sterling, man. Like, uh, there's so many different types of fighters in the sport, and there's so many different paths to victory. And I think Sterling has just done such a good job of uh, finding his path to victory. And it's just like, uh, it's pretty great, you know, and, and honestly, like mildly inspiring, you know. Uh, just to see a person who has just like figured it out, even though, you know, like he might not be the most technical, he might not be the most this, the most that, uh, the guy has figured out a way to like make himself win over and over again against like the really best guys in the world. So like good on him, man. And honestly, I was, I was a little bit inspired by the way that Aljamain like figured out a way to win that because even after the first round, I was like, this is not going good for Aljamain, you know, like this is not, uh, you know, like he was, he was having issues like finding the range, this and that. And then he figured it out, you know, and like good on him that, that takes like a really high level of experience and fighter. So good on him, man. But yeah, ma major surprise by that one. Yeah. Now that being said, you already kind of segued into my next question, Corey, earlier, you were talking about coming out of that fight and you got kind of put at the bottom of the line and listen, I want to be clear. I have nothing against Song Yadong. This is a fun fight. He's on a good win streak, three fights in a row, coming off the knockout over Marlon Marais. So I, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm disparaging him. But like when this fight got made, or you know, when the fights were getting made, my thought was, ooh, Corey and Aldo, that's a great fight. And I know that's a fight you would take. Ooh, Corey and, uh, and, and, and you know, uh, Marab, that would be a fun fight. I know that's one I'm sure you would take. 
Uh, you know, all these Dominic Cruz. I know that's a fight you wanted for a long time. You thought you were going to get at one point. That didn't happen. I mean, you know, Cheeto, Cheeto Vera would have been a good one. That's a great striker versus striker kind of matchup. Even the Sean O'Malley fight. I was like, even though Sean O'Malley isn't as established, he is a big name. And I was like, man, Sean and Corey would be a great main event. Like that would be a main event you could sell uh, or put it on pay-per-view. It'd be a great fight. Now, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying bad things about Song Yadong, but were you kind of, were you surprised or I, I won't say disappoint, disappointed, I guess is the word I'm going to use, but like, were you like, man, like, can I get one of those guys? And because you're actually one of the few guys fighting down in the rankings, like you're actually fighting a guy pretty far back behind you versus someone still relatively close to you. You might fight someone behind you, but like, you know, you're three and they're four, you're three and they're five. Now you're fighting a little further down. Like you kind of ended up with the weirdest matchup in my opinion. And again, I don't mean to disparage Song Yudon, but that's just the way I saw it. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I, I more or less saw it, I suppose the same way. Um, I thought all of those other matchups would have been really awesome, especially because they hadn't booked a lot of those guys. O'Malley was already booked to fight Munoz or else that probably would have been the fight. Had had I known it was going to end the way that it ended, you know, I probably would have waited and maybe just waited to fight O'Malley. But uh, you can't really bank on those things in this sport. You know, like if someone gets hurt, then you're waiting another amount of time. And, you know, so uh, I think it's just then. Well, when I, first of all, when I got the name, I was like very surprised. I was like, that's super left field, but uh, yes, I guess we'll take that because that's better than just sitting on the bench and waiting for these guys to fight. And then again, like, I don't know what was going on in the whole matchmaking process. You know, I don't know if it was a matter of like, they said they weren't going to fight me or, if, uh, or if it was going to, you know, or, yeah, or I don't hold enough clout like some of the other guys, you know, because I even look back to the Cheeto Cruz fight that just happened and, I mean, why did Cheeto fight down in the rankings? You know, like I thought for sure I was going to get Cheeto. Uh, and then he ended up fighting Cruz down in the rankings when he was calling out people that were, you know, in the top five. So that didn't make any sense to me. None of it really made any sense to me. So I just kind of figured that something weird was going on, whether they were saying yes to other guys because they had bigger names or whatever it is, even though I think I'm a very established name at this point. But uh, yeah, Song's fine though too, man. Like, uh, I think Song is still a very, very good fighter. He has a win over a lot of good guys. You know, like he just knocked out Marlon. He uh, he beat Casey Kenny, who I think is a very good fighter. He beat Cheeto a long time ago, so he has like a draw fight against uh, Stamen. Even though I think Stamen won that fight, even though I, it, because I watched it a couple times, but. Uh, Song's a good fighter, man. So, you know, uh, it's better than sitting on the bench. Uh, I'm going to take him just as serious as if he was anyone else. Uh, e maybe even a little bit more serious because I'm definitely not trying to lose to someone who's that much further behind me in the rankings. So, um, so yeah, I I I'm still okay with it. It definitely feels a little bit weird, but... Uh, but yeah, it is what it is. And I'm like I said, I'm just excited to like show everyone that I've gotten way, way better. E even better than I was before, which... Uh, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I think that I'm probably one of the most exciting people in the UFC. And because I'm just more of a quiet guy and, you know, I don't talk a lot of shit or I don't get involved in kind of like the political piece of this, this entire game. Uh, you know, like you can't watch my fights and say that I'm not one of the most exciting guys in, in the UFC. So, uh, and most technical and most skilled. So, uh, I just get to prove that again to people and I'll just keep proving it to them over and over and over again until I'm the one that isn't at the bottom of the barrel asking for certain fights and, and I'm the one that gets to say who I'm fighting. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't want to play conspiracy theorist, Corey, but I mean, I will say, like, you step up and you take a short notice fight in a title fight. And again, credit to Peter Yan for getting the job done. But coming out of that, like, my opinion, and again, I'm not the matchmaker, my opinion is, like, you reward a guy like you. Like, you you, you stepped up for us. Now, you are getting a main event, so I want to be clear, that is still a very good opportunity. But, like, my thought is, like, you should still get a big fight. Like, Aldo would have been a great fight. I think you and Aldo is, like, a dream fight of mine. That's what I've been, like, itching to see for the longest time. And I think you and Cheeto would be a great fight as well. Um, is there any, I, again, I don't want to play conspiracy theory, but like, is there any party that feels maybe a little bit like you got punished for like taking a short notice fight and you lose and then you get, end up like you end up, I, 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 I hate using bad words. Like, like you ever kind of get shafted a little bit. Like you don't get the bigger fight. Like it's, again, this is not a knock on song you dong, but like the only reason I say that Corey is because there's so many bantamweight fights happening right now. You know what I mean? Like it isn't like Aldo was injured and Marab was, you know, stuck out of the country and Cheeto was, you know, just fought. You know what I mean? Like we all, we're literally in like a span of like 10 big bantamweight fights. And that's the only reason I bring it up. Cause I'm like, man, like, and again, it's not a knock on Sonya Dong. I'm just like, okay, everyone else is scheduled. I think Corey and Aldo would have made, and that's not a knock on Marab, but like, I think you and Aldo would have made more sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I'm not really one to play victim, though, so it, it is what it is. And uh, I know how the sport works, man. You win, you get what you want. You lose, you don't get what you want. And uh, <laughs> technically coming off of two losses on paper, you know, even though I, you know, there's reasons for those, I suppose, or whatever. But, nah, man, I'm not one to play victim. Like I said, you win, you get what you want. You lose, you don't get what you want. And that's how the sport works. So I just got to, like, get it back in the win column. And then I can start calling the shots a little bit more than uh, I, I've been able to. Yeah. Let me be clear. You have one loss in a row. You did not lose the TJ Dillashaw fight. I refuse to acknowledge that one. I'm sorry. I've rewatched that fight because when they announced TJ, when they announced TJ and Aljamain, I don't, for whatever reason, I decided I want to go back and rewatch that fight. And listen, not that you need me to defend you, Corey, but like I got a little angry when it was over this time. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what were they watching? Like, it really bugged me. And I know it bugs you and I don't want to bring up a bad subject, but like, so you're on one loss. Okay. Give credit to Peter Yan. You didn't lose to TJ Dillashaw. I'm sorry. You just didn't lose that fight. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, the history books are right, written wrong all throughout history. So I, I guess another time that that's happening <laughs> yeah i know you're not a big like prediction or picks guy and and but i do want to get your opinion because now we are going to see aljamain and tj and there's been a i don't want to say controversy but there has been a bit of a swirl of people you know kind of i won't say angry but a little little disappointed that tj is getting the title shot considering everything that's happened to him i mean you know coming off the two-year suspension he comes in and fights you a lot of people don't believe he won i think more i think the majority of people believe he lost that fight goes off on another knee injury, and now he's sliding into a title fight. Now, I'm a big believer in if you want to keep your sanity in this sport, you have to strike the word deserves from your vocabulary because you know, just, if you think someone deserves a chance, they're probably not going to get it, and you're going to get driven crazy thinking about it. But your guy, you, you know, you you said very honestly, like you, you took the TJ fight knowing the allegations, knowing the baggage that came along with that fight, and you had no problem taking it. I thought you won, but it is what it is. But I like I'm just I'm weird I'm weird about that like it just feels like he's getting rewarded without really earning it. And I know earning it again. I'm kind of complaining about saying deserve, earn, whatever word you want to use. I don't know. How did you feel? Like were you surprised? Did you see it coming? Did you just kind of roll your eyes to say I kind of see what's happening here? Because me personally, like I like the fight. I don't dislike the fight, but I'm just like man, like yeah, he got two years off, and and yeah, he had to go out and fight you, but. I don't know. It just, it seems weird that like you get that title shot opportunity with everything that's kind of surrounding him. 
Yeah, um, I'll I'll try to give you my opinion. Most of the time, my opinion is typically that, like, uh, I mean, if you really ask me and you want like my honest opinion, I really don't give a shit about what other people's. <laughs> like that's my honest opinion, but uh, you know, like I guess on like a little bit more of like you know viewing it as like a fan because I view it always as like a fighter, which just makes me not really give a shit about what other people are doing, other than the you know just watching them and figuring out how to beat them. But uh, as a fan, uh, yeah, a little weird. I mean, who else would it be though? I guess you know, like I think Aldo. I think Aldo was the other choice. I think Aldo could you know you could say Aldo deserved it off the last couple of wins. He had to win over Cheeto. Had to win over Rob Font. I, I thought I thought you could you could argue Aldo. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's a really great point. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know what I I here's what I will say is I know that a lot of things don't happen that seem like they make sense because there's a you know ninety percent of how these matchups happen and a lot of that stuff I think we don't really know how they happen you know like we can kind of just make sense out of like oh well this makes sense because this person won this makes sense because of this and i mean although is definitely uh the choice that probably from like a logical standpoint makes a lot more sense but i don't you know like it's a business and it's an entertainment business and uh it is kind of a bummer sometimes to see things like that maybe happen but uh you know, like I said, it, 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 you're. I'm a little bit on the spot because, like I said, I don't really think about these things past the fact of like, oh, I'm watching these guys. How do I beat them? You know. Yeah, yeah, and I know you're not a big picks and predictions guy, so I won't ask you to make a prediction. But do you like the matchup with TJ and Aljamain? Obviously, you fought both of them. Um, I think it is a really intriguing match because TJ. You wonder, like, I again, I thought he lost to you again. I'm not going to keep saying it, but I'm going to keep saying it. But like, I thought you beat him. Uh, and again, the time off, like he just come off another knee injury. And again, I think Aljamain surging. I give credit to Aljamain beating Peter Jan. Like, I think a lot of people are once again kind of discounting Aljamain. I just think that's a mistake. Yeah, no, definitely would not count Aljamain out at all. Honestly, I, I have Aljamain kind of picked in this one. Um, and you're making actually, a prediction. You must feel strongly about this, Corey, because I know you're not a prediction guy. Not a prediction guy, but most of the time it's because I don't think about the, the fights that I <laughs> Uh, but this one I actually thought I, I spent some time thinking about because, uh, you know, I have to see Dwayne around at local fights. We're both in Colorado, you know, so I, I've kind of just been like, oh, how that, how's that fight going to go? I have a lot of respect for Dwayne. I, you know, at, on some level, I still have some respect for TJ. He was he was kind of my friend for a couple of years. So, uh, you know, I, I've given it some thought um, and I actually think that, you know, Sterling's just going to be able to do it, do what he does. I think that. um He'll be able to take TJ down, and I think that he'll probably be able to submit him uh, if he can get on his back. I don't think TJ has, like, the amount of uh, punching power that he maybe used to have to be able to stop Sterling or or hurt him really bad or, or anything. Like, I, I don't think that he contains that much power. And just from, like, feeling the both of them, too, I, I don't really think that TJ is going to be able to um, – that, like I, I just don't think that he packs the same punch and I don't think that he's going to be as strong as Sterling is. And, and I think that Sterling's wrestling is really uh, discredited. And I think that he's an amazing wrestler and I think that he's very strong and I think that he's just going to kind of be able to outpower TJ. 
Yeah, I like the matchup, but I, I'm with you. I actually, I, I very much agree. I don't generally give my opinion unless you're you're giving your opinion, and I do. I actually think Aljamain's going to win. I think it's a good matchup. Um, and again, it's it's one of those things that you talked about, like a little bit of inspiration from Aljamain. Now you go into this fight with your own chance. And again, I, I, I've said a lot, you know, talking about other fights, but Song Yudong is a fun opponent. And you know, going into your own fight coming up, even though he's lower in the rankings, like he's a dangerous guy, but you got to know. And, and I mean, I'm sure you see the, the writing on the wall. You're the name, you're the rank guy, you're the more established guy. He's trying to take your spot. And there's a certain energy, certain, you know, excitement that you, I'm sure you get knowing that this guy's trying to earn his name off of you. And I'm sure that's the absolute last thing you intend on happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, it's, it's always the same feeling with my opponents, you know, like the, there's, there's always this like uh deep competitive hatred for the person, but also <laughs> like, like, uh, uh, and then there's also just like this understanding of like them as like a human being too. But, uh, yeah, from that, you know, competitive hatred for my opponent, Song has the same amount of competitive hatred that uh, everybody else got. So, you know, whether he was ranked two, six, whatever, uh, does not matter to me. He's going to get the exact same amount of uh, seriousness and, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't even really know. He's going to get the same level of comp- comp- competitive me that uh, – that everybody else got. So um, it's easy for me to hate my opponents. I don't need to be like, ah, oh, he's trying to take my spot. You know, like I hate these motherfuckers just because like they're trying, <laughs> they're trying to, they're trying to have my dream, you know? Uh, and uh, yeah, that doesn't fly no matter who you are. So. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like Matt Brown, who, who does my podcast with me a lot. Like he's not like, he's not a big trash talk guy. He's not like a, you know, I have to, you know, I, I literally hate my opponent, but like, he doesn't like, it was like when he fought Cowboy Cerrone and Cerrone was trying to shake his hand. He's like, I'm not shaking your hand. Like we're about to fight. Like you're about to try to take what, you know, you're taking food out of my kids' mouths. And like afterwards you can shake hands, you can be friendly, but there's gotta be a little bit of that competitiveness, right? Like it's not saying you're a bad sport, but you know, this guy's trying to take everything from you in a way. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I don't see it as being a bad sport. You know, a- after over ten, almost every single fight, everyone shakes hands, gives each other a hug. It's you know, but uh, that's for after the fight and uh, before the fight is like I said, just like this deep, burrowing hatred for the other person. <laughs> kind of hard to like beat the shit out of someone and not have that hatred for him. So uh, y- you know, that's that's what it is, and maybe that's why I don't talk shit is because I feel the same way about all of these people um they're just my opposition and they're just people that i need to figure out how to dismantle and destroy and um and whether it's someone that's talking shit not talking shit trying to get under my skin not trying to get under my skin polite not polite doesn't matter to me like they they still get the exact same version of me every single time I feel like that's a t-shirt you need to make competitive <laughs> hatred. I like that. That's like, I, I'm going to steal that phrase. Cause it's true. Like that's a good way to look at you. Don't literally hate your opponent, but like you, you hate them for what they're trying to take from you. You hate that. They're trying to go in there and beat you. Like there is that little bit of a little bit of fire inside, right? Like you don't literally hate them, but that competitive hatred, I, I dig that. Like I said, make a t-shirt out of that Corey. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It's kind of hard to organize in my body because it's like, how am I feeling two things at one time where I can see these people as human beings who I like, actually care about and like can relate to them probably more than I can relate to 99% of the other people on the planet. But also (laughs) how how do I like hate them so much for like being also that 
to me, you know, like being in opposition to me because they're so similar to me. Like that's kind of tough to organize in my brain, but it kind of just comes down to uh, like me uh, organizing like just different planes or dimensions or levels of living. And uh, when you're fighting, you just have to like live on a different level of, of, of existence that isn't, you know, super compassionate and it isn't super like, you know, buddy, buddy. And it isn't like this, like, uh, this very human loving way that I try to be most of the time, but, uh, not for my opponents, not, not for them, because then I'll just do as shitty as I did in the Sterling fight. Uh, so, so, so I veer away from being friendly or anything like that. Like they're, they're my opposition. They're the enemy until, until the last bell rings. And then, uh, and then that's just, that's just it. Yeah, you compartmentalize it. You can be the court. You can be Corey Sandhagen, the fighter in the gym. You can be Corey Sandhagen, the fighter, and when you're in the fight, and then you can be Corey Sandhagen, the fiance, when you're home. You can be Corey Sandhagen, the hiker, when you're out doing outdoor things. Like you can compartmentalize it. You're not the same guy all the time. You're not always going to be like you're not going to be carrying that hatred in your heart when you come home or whatever. So you can compartmentalize it. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> now, before I let you go, Corey, you know, you just said earlier that you're, you you want to stay busy. Now that you've had this break, you do want to kind of get back on the streak. And again, in no way, shape, or form am I looking past Song Dong. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest something to you. Now, anyone listening, watching, whatever they're doing this interview, I want to be clear. I'm the one saying this. Corey Sanhagen isn't saying this. I'm saying this. But everything goes well in September. You beat Song Dong. I'm going to throw out a suggestion because, again, you did miss out on some of the big fights I thought you should have got. So I'm not going to cry over spilled milk, but everything goes well in September. I want to see Corey Sanhagen welcome Henry Cejudo back to the Bantamweight division. That's a monstrous fight. Henry gets cleared in October to fight again. He's going to be in a weird situation because a lot of the Bantamweights have already fought. We know the title fights in October, Aldo and Murat, all these other fights are happening right now. So a lot of guys probably aren't going to be ready to fight again until later. Now, I know you're fighting later than them, but I know you're a guy who likes to stay active. What Am I wrong? Like, I think that would be a great fight. Like, you want a big fight, I think that would be huge because I was actually shocked Henry didn't just get a title fight, which, again, it is what it is, but I think that would be a huge fight. Oh, yeah, I, lo I love that. Uh, I don't really know. It's I don't even know really what the hell is going on with Henry because he says <laughs> a million and I don't really, you know. Last time I saw him was in Vegas, and he looks like he has a lot of weight to lose before he makes 135, so... Uh, but yeah, if he's back in October or whatever, that sounds phenomenal to me, man. Like the bigger the name, the more eyes, the more uh, the more opportunity. So you know that that's always the goal. So yeah, that sounds awesome. I had never even really thought of that because who knows what the hell that guy is doing. <laughs> right uh, but yeah, that sounds great. I'm playing matchmaker. I fully admit it. But like I said, looking at the lay of the land again, I thought you deserved a, a different fight. But that is what it is. Credit to Song Dong. Go out there and get your win. But that would be huge. I just think that would be a monstrous fight. Great way to close, maybe close out the year in December, you know, because they've kind of booked cards all the way up to November already. Like the big fights in November are already kind of getting booked. So, you know, you and Cejudo, December. I'm just saying, like I said, I'm just throwing out ideas. I like it. I like the idea. <laughs> well, uh, Corey, it is always a pleasure to catch up. You know, I appreciate the time. Uh, have a good rest of your training camp. Of course, safe travels out to the fight. Always good to see you back in the main event. And thank you as always for the time. You know, I appreciate it. Yeah, cool. Thank you, Damon. I'll, I'll talk to you next time. Hey, talk to you soon. Bye. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. 
and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A big thank you, of course, to Corey Sanhagen. Always enjoy talking to him. Always a fun conversation. And uh, look forward to his fight coming up in just a matter of weeks against Song Yadong in, uh, at the UFC Apex. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm kind of like, I'm weird on the UFC Apex shows now because when they first started, I kind of enjoyed them. It was kind of fun to, like, eliminate the crowd noise, hear the corners. You can hear the punches. Uh, it was kind of dramatic. Like, you know, we remember going back all the way to when, you know, Glover Teixeira fought Anthony Smith, and it was kind of a crazy, you know, nasty fight. Now, that wasn't in the Apex, but, like, the no crowd events. And, like, we could hear them talking, and you could hear Anthony Smith, like, talking to the referee, talking to his corner, things like that. And then the Apex is even more intimate because you're not even in an arena. You're in a very small, enclosed area. Um, you know, I've been to the Ultimate Fighter gym many times, and it's not much there. Like, it's very small, and you can hear everything. You can hear a pin drop if no one's talking. Uh, and the echo is also there. So I was, I enjoyed it at the beginning. It was kind of fun. You know, it was kind of fun. But then as time passed and we started having these really, really big fights uh, at the Apex or, or in Abu Dhabi or other places where there were no fans, and it really got bizarre. Like, it's hard for me to, like, fathom watching, like, Francis Ngannou become heavyweight champion without a crowd there. Things like that. Like, if, thinking back at some of the big, you know, huge moments that happened without a crowd being there. It's just so bizarre. And, you know, I was back at a UFC event for the first time in a while when they came here to Columbus for the UFC Columbus show that Curtis Blades headlined against Chris Dawkins. And, like, the crowd was going crazy, and it was just fun to be there around people. And you kind of realize, like, how much of a difference a live audience makes to a big fight card. And, you know, it, it does. Like, you just, the the, the dramatic shifts in emotion and things like that. You just can't get that, uh, it, you know, the feeling, the buzz. You, you don't get that without a crowd. Um, so I understand the UFC is still going to be going and doing Apex shows. I don't know that that's ever going to go away because some of these smaller UFC fight night cards that may not sell a ton of uh, tickets, things like that, um, they're probably going to continue putting on these Apex cards. You know, if they just if they got a spot to fill, travel expenses are a lot. I mean, that's one thing that that doesn't get talked about. Like they have like when they do these shows, you know, they're talking about arena fees and things like that, but they're also talking about travel costs because they got to bring the octagon, they got to bring their crew, they got to bring lighting, all these different things when they go to an event. And so it starts to become like you know, uh, you know, expense in terms of what they want to put into the event versus what they're getting out of it. They already got their money from ESPN. That's already you know, that's already laid out there. They get that guaranteed. 
if ticket sales are not going to magnify to the point where they can justify the travel, whatever the case may be, they won't go. Now, of course, they're going to UFC Paris this weekend. That's going to be a big event. First ever card there. They got a headline by a French fighter and Cyril Gaon. It all makes sense. But sometimes it's not going to make sense. And so they take it to the Apex. But I'm I'm not I'm not saying I'm fed up with the Apex, but it's just weird now. Like it's gone back to the old way where I'm like, I want the crowd there. I need the audience there. I need people cheering. I want to hear the reactions when you can, you know when a crazy knockout happens and you hear the cheers or you hear a crazy knockout happen and it all goes deafening silence for a minute because it's shocking. Uh, One of my all-time most wild moments covering a live show uh, in the UFC was when I went to Atlanta to cover Rashad Evans against Chuck Liddell. And that crowd was very lively, very loud. You know, Chuck Liddell, one of the most popular fighters in the history of sport. And when Rashad Evans laid him out, you could have heard a pin drop because the crowd went stunned silence when he got knocked out. Now, again, that's it's just such a unique feeling because the crowd's going nuts, crowd's going nuts, and then boom, happens, and the crowd just goes silent for, you know, a couple seconds, and then, you know, they go nuts again. That That's the kind of, you know, when I was in Montreal when George St. Pierre fought Matt Sarah for the second time, and George St. Pierre came out, and the music was so loud that I couldn't even hear, or the crowd was so loud I couldn't hear GSP's music. Like, that's how loud, if you've ever been to an arena, like, you know the music, the the speakers are bumping, like, you can hear the music. The crowd was so loud in Montreal that night that I could not hear the music. I had no idea what George St. Pierre walked out to that night because the crowd was so freaking loud. That's an experience you can't take away. And so I'm kind of, I'm not saying I'm over the Apex shows. I get that. I get why they're still happening, but uh, it does bum me out a little bit. And I kind of root for guys like Corey and some of these other people to like get these bigger opportunities on these other cards. But a main event is a main event. And that's where you want to be. And Corey Sanhagen is in a main event. And I'm sure, you know, like I said, that's what you always take as a fighter. You want that spot. You want the spotlight. And that's where Corey Sanhagen is. Uh, taking on Song Yadong, even though I wish, you know, a fight like this was going to be featured on uh, a card with the crowd because I think this is going to be a banger. I mean, it may not last more than two rounds, but I think it's going to be a banger. It's going to be a great fight. Um, right now, I'm going to shift gears into my interview with uh, Stevie Ray. Of course, he's coming off back-to-back wins over Anthony Pettis that got him into the finals of the PFL. Uh, he is now uh, poised to take on OAM Olivier Albin Mercier in the finals with a million dollars on the line. Of course, Stevie is a veteran. He retired briefly, came back, went to the PFL, had some ups and downs there, but now riding a win streak into the finals. We're going to talk about that. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, talk about the pay situation in the PFL, which has been raised by a few guys uh, and girls. So we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, so enjoy this chat with PFL finalist Stevie Ray. Well, I appreciate the time. Of course, congratulations on another amazing win. Um, It's got to be bizarre to go out and have back-to-back fights against the same guy. It's got to be bizarre to pull off one of the craziest submissions ever and then have to go out there and do it again, go out there and fight the same guy again. But uh, brilliant performance. Uh, You got to be happy. Yeah, man. Like you said, it's a bit weird to go out and fight someday so short notice. Never mind it being the former world champion um, and Anthony Pettis and such a big name. Uh, yeah, I think it worked out well for me, you know, having the, you know, the famous guy, the the kind of, the one that was maybe um, looking to go and win it. Um, so, yeah. Let me let me ask you this, and this is not me trying to get you to take a shot at the UFC, so I don't want to make it seem like that. But 
you know, when you were in the UFC for a long time, now you had big fights in the UFC, you fought good opponents, so I'm not knocking anyone you fought, but you know how it works sometimes in the UFC and other promotions that, you know, yes, you put together a great win streak, you'll get opportunities, but a lot of times it comes down to popularity, it comes down to who's saying the craziest things, who's getting the most press, that kind of stuff. In PFL, like, you got to fight against a legit, you know, former lightweight champion in Anthony Pettis because that's just the way this tournament works. That's how the PFL format works. You win, you get these kind of fights, and it plays out that way. Like, is there some kind of, like, do do you like the way the PFL does it? Because, like, being honest, like, you may have never gotten a fight with Anthony Pettis in the UFC just because how politics work, you know what I mean, how popularity works, things like that. Now you have two wins over Anthony Pettis. Like, that's an amazing thing. Yeah, I mean, I really like the platform uh, that PFL do. I mean, uh, it's a bit of a weird one because obviously, um, you know, I, I beat Pers, but then he got a second chance, and I technically lost to Alexander Martinez, and I got another chance, and and then I, I you know, even watching a uh, Martinez fight, uh, was it who was it he fought again? Uh, Collard, you know, it was a very close fight where it could have went to Collard, and um. But yeah, just I, I like the the platform, the whole point system for the first two fights. It's like uh, being smart and uh, kind of pushing you to go out for the finish as well. Um, and then, like you said, I, I managed to get back to back fights with the most famous guy in the PFL uh, kind of roster, uh, if you like. And uh, yeah, the fact that. You know, I got quite a unique submission against him the first time and then then beat him again. Now I'm in the final. Like, it couldn't have went any better, really. Uh, you know, this whole UFC, uh, sorry, PFL um, tournament. Yeah. Um, and, especially com- and especially coming off, like you said, from the UFC and having a big break. Because um, it was two and a half years since, uh, since I had fought when I fought Martinez. Um, but yeah, like... I've got the ring rust and stuff out of the way now. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Stevie, because, uh, you know, when you beat Pettis the first time, it was such a shocking, cool, you know, submission. I love great submissions. I love seeing pull, like when AJ McKee pulled off that crazy submission of Bellator, uh, you know, I love, I love submissions and I love unique submissions, but you know, at the time, you know, Anthony Pettis, he is a big name and, and rightfully so former champion. He's done all these things. Do you feel like you're you're getting the credit you deserve now because you beat him twice? No one can say it was a fluke. You pulled off this crazy submission. You caught him. You know those kind of things. Like you did it back to back. You know what I mean? Anthony Pettis has only had a couple of rematches his entire life. You know what I mean? And you went out there and beat him twice in a row. Like, do you feel like you are now getting the credit you deserve for how big of a win this is? Eh, a little bit. I mean, I'm getting I'm getting more recognition and stuff now, and I'm getting. I am getting a that, but at the same time, it's almost like you know some people are like, oh, Pitt. there's a lot of hate in the world. There's a lot of uh, you know people that talk, especially on social media, because they they know that they're safe at their home with their <laughs> at, at their keyboard or whatever. But you know, a lot of them are saying, oh, Pettis is done. He, he he needs to retire and stuff. And but I mean, before I fought him the first time, he was coming off a big submission win um, against Miles Price. Uh, and yeah, he didn't do the best last year. Um, he had a close fight with Ravish Manfield, the champion, and I, I actually thought he won that fight. Um, and then he got beat off Collard. So, but people just need to realize, like, you know, 
uh, these guys are, are really good fighters as well. You know, just because it's PFL and it's not the UFC, it doesn't mean like you're stepping down and in terms of like opponent level. Like Clay Collard uh, is a beast as well, and the same way obviously Manfield that won it. Um, I mean, you could go and fight in a lot of places. And there's always going to be a lot of tough fighters and tough fights. It's not just like, you know, the UFC is where the tough fights are. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that people are going to start giving me the recognition and stuff that I I deserve. And I'm hoping to get a pay rise now as well. Um, Just uh, beat him twice. um, Because, you know, I seen what he made losing to me the first time. And quite rightly so, I understand why he's getting paid more, uh, you know, why he got 750k. But now that I've beat him twice, I mean, the second fight, I got paid less than the first fight because the way the system works, the way the the the, the way, like, the PFL playoffs work. Because um, when I first got sent the contract, I was like, wait a minute, there's been a mistake here uh, in, in the you know, what what I was told I was getting paid. And I actually went to Ali and I said, they've made a mistake. Um, he was like, no, man, the PFL, the, the the playoffs are different. You get, everybody gets the same. Um, and yeah, it was a bit of a, a wage cut from even the first fight. But yeah, I'm, fe- I'm feeling like, you know, I've just beat Pettis twice. He was the top dog. He was the top draw. Um, and now it's time for me to, to get that Anthony Pettis money. That's so crazy. So you actually made less money in the rematch with Anthony Pettis in the playoffs, which, you know, you think playoffs, you know, you've made it further in the tournament, so you'd make more money. You actually made less money for that than the first fight. Yeah, and I was obviously main event of Madison Square Garden, a huge arena. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm no one to, like, you know, batch at PFL or you know any of those guys because I can't understand that. That was the that was part of the deal. Um, that at the playoffs you get that money and um and it's obviously because you're getting the opportunity to win a million dollars. But at the same time, it was a little bit uh it was a little bit gotten to you know hear about the the wage drop um. And the fact, you know, the, the, the fact that I know how much he got paid the first fight, I mean, that is life-changing money, 750k. Um, whereas, yeah, so like I, I'm getting being paid good, but or I thought I was being paid good, but the, then when I seen how much money some of the other fighters are making, um, like I, I believe, you know what, I, I accepted the first uh, contract that i done with PFL because um, I was, you know, I'd been, I had a long layoff, and they gave me an opportunity to come and um, fight and state my kind of thing now. But now that I'm in the final, and like I said, I've got two wins over Pets, I feel like now there's there should be uh, some talks and a new uh, contract and um, yeah, for the uh, for the next fight and even uh, maybe next season or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, to be clear, like, I think you work with the best manager in the sport. I made no secret how much I like Ali. He's an incredible manager. He goes out there and battles for his guys. And, but you're not the first person to say this. You had a similar conversation with Chris Wade, who's in a very similar position as you, where he's, and he actually has been with the PFL for like three seasons now. Maybe you saw it. He talked about it. He's like, I don't know why I'm making less money now in the playoffs 
than I was the yep. regular. So very similar. So it's kind of crazy that now I'm hearing it twice in a row. And I'm sure you're not alone. I'm sure there's other people going through something similar. But that is so wild yep. to me because you would think like I don't like I'm just like if you made if you made fifty thousand dollars in 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 the in the regular season, then you should make like. 75 or 100k like it just makes sense you've made it to the playoffs that's when you get paid more like that's how sports work yeah. right like the closer you get to the title the more money you make like that's kind of how it works yeah i mean dig me wrong i kind of do get like the system that uh that he's done because like there's not a lot of companies out there paying a million dollars um you know giving a million dollars to the winner um so the opportunity is there and it's there to go and get the taken I mean, the playoffs were, tw- I don't know if it's the same for everyone. I'm pretty sure it was, but it was 25 and 25. So $25,000 to fight, $25,000 to win. And uh, yeah, like I said, I was uh, to be main event and beat Anthony Pierce. Like, it's a bit gotten, but now, obviously, I'm in the, the final. Um, and, you know, it's a million dollars for the, the winner. So I win my next fight, I get a million dollars. Well, that is a good payday. Um, but, I feel like I'm uh, I'm at the stage now where I, I need I, I'm uh, I deserve to get a pay rise in the regular fights and stuff like you know uh, just just more security like I've got four kids and stuff and I've worked hard and and like I said I I you know I accepted that the contract that I'm on the now coming uh, after a two and a half year layoff um. And it was a new opportunity for me. And, uh, yeah, I feel like just, you know, that, like, Ali explained it to me as well. He, he's like, you know, if, if in, a, in football, you know, if you go and take out the um, the the good guy or whatever um, then uh, and prove your worth, then, then they then get paid more. So, uh, aye. Yeah. Well, and, and to be clear, like, and I think everyone, you know, and I, I'm certainly on that list as well. I praise the PFL for the million dollar paydays because that's huge. You know what I mean? That's life changing money. I talked to Haush Manfio last season, you know, he was talking about how he was cleaning office buildings and borrowing money from Natan Schultz just to live. Like he had, he couldn't afford rent. You know, he had to borrow money from Natan Schultz just to make rent basically. And then he won the million dollars and it was completely life-changing money allowed him to become a full-time fighter, you know, train all the time, all those kind of things. So it's life-changing money, but you're still not doing it for free. You know, you're not, you didn't, you know, when you beat Anthony Pettis, freaking legend of the sport, former UFC champion, you should still get compensated for that. Like properly. That's kind of my point. Like the million dollars is great. And if you beat Olivier Albert Mercier, you win the million dollars. Great. That's awesome. And I root for you to do that. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't get paid, you know, well for this last fight. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a knock on the PFL. That's just the reality. Yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, especially seeing that Pettis got 750K the first (laughs) fight. It's like, I I get it. It's like, you know what? He's bringing more to the table than me, probably. He's selling more tickets. He's he's the, you know, he's the name. um, And even at being in New York, like... uh, you know, I heard it when I walked through. I got booed a bit. He got cheered. Like they're there, they're paying to see him, um, and even the you know MSG. I'm were really happy that Pettis was finally fighting there. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of like, you know what? Beat him once, um, and then beat him twice. Now I'm like, right, uh, yeah, I could, 
even if it's no seven hundred and fifty k, if it uh, if it's a bit more than what I'm getting then now, I'll be uh, happy with that. Yeah, I don't want to turn because again, I want to be clear. You know, I know you're happy. You're about to fight for a million dollars. You're about to fight for a championship. So I don't want to turn it all negative or anything. But one thing I want to yeah. ask you on this on this pay thing, real quick. You know, unfortunately, where we're at now, and I'm sure you've seen this because you've been around Stevie. You've been around the sport. You know, there was a time when commissions always reported what fighters made, Nevada, California, all the, we saw. Now we know that's not the full story. We understand there's bonuses and things like that to get paid out that we don't ever see. And I, I understand that, but yep. just like what we saw with when, when Georgia released the payday for your Pettis fight, like I had no idea how much Anthony Pettis was making zero idea. They don't tell us commissions aren't releasing it. Like, would you wish there was more transparency like that? Like where we would actually see that because how are you like, how would you ever know? Right? Like if you left that fight, you'd have no idea if that wasn't made public, you would have yeah, no idea how much you like, made. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. And I feel like it is good for other fighters as well. Cause like, you know, no disrespect to any of the other fighters, but like I seen Brendan Lochnan is on, I think he was on 85 and 85 like that's more than double mine, um, and and I feel like for what I've done in my career, you know, I've beat the likes of Michael, Michael Johnson, um, Joe Lozon, Ross Pearson had, uh, um, multiple fights in the UFC and stuff. So I've kind of proven that you know I'm I'm a good fighter, and I'm and now especially that I'm in the final, um, first season with PFL, uh, just beating Pettis twice, like it's good to see that because it's like, I now know that I'm worth more. Like, I feel like I'm worth more than what I, I was happy with what I was getting paid, but to see that, you know, some of the other stuff and Pettis getting 750 K is uh, crazy. Like I know he maybe deserves it. You know, he's worked his ass off his whole career and former champ and stuff. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of guys. I, I think I remember, I think it said Rory McDonald got 250 K. So I'm not sure if that was like, uh, if he would have got another 250 to win as well. Kayla Harrison's getting like around a million a fight. Um, yeah, just, uh, I, um, I, I could be doing with some of that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Can I ask, and I, I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways, how much would a million dollar prize mean to you, Stevie, in this next fight? I mean, how much life change? Cause you've been around, you fought your, you fought your ass off. I don't know a better way to say it. You fought. I mean, Everyone remembers the Lozon fight. What you just went out there and did with Pettis. Like, you've had a career. How much would that million-dollar prize mean to you? Oh, it'd be, like you said, it'd be completely life-changing. Like, I mean, to be able to possibly pay off your home, like, to not have a mortgage, uh, you know, to be able to just invest, like, in the business. Like, I've got my own gym as well, Braveheart MMA. Um that I started after uh, in 2017, after one of my losses, uh, lost to Paul Felder. Um, there was a little gap where I wasn't sure if I was going to be re-signed to the UFC, and I started coaching. and basically built it up, and you know, I just started coaching for something to do, really, uh, to stay busy while I was waiting to hear what was going to happen with the with the contract, and it took off. I got really busy, and now I've still I've got a pretty successful gym. Um, uh, I I I pay guys obviously to to run it, and uh, I've got guys that um, look after it while I'm taking care of fighting and stuff. Again, I'm living in a separate gym, 
uh, focusing on my training. But yeah, it'd just be good to like, because at that gym we've not got showers. Uh, you know the the toilets a little bit of a trek. Um, so it'd be good to get like a place where there's shower facilities. There's heating. Like, it's freezing in the winter. Um, so just to be able to do that and uh, have a have a good place to build on, you know, the post-retirement kind of coaching. Um, and, yeah, just everything, like, you know, a good family holiday. I've got four kids, so they didn't, they didn't come cheap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, aye, it was just, I didn't even know what I'd, I'd do with it. But, yeah. Um, oh, it would be life-changing, though. Yeah. And you've had, you know, your last couple of performances, you mentioned, you know, coming back after such a long layoff, kind of knocking the rust out in that first fight and then coming out and beating Anthony Pettis twice, you know, OAM, Olivier Abin-Mercier, he's looked great. You know, we know what he's good at. He's a really strong wrestler. That's what he does best. He comes from that Montreal camp, that George St. Pierre style of, you know, going out there and taking you down and grinding on you. He's a very good fighter. Uh, he's a guy you could have fought in the UFC at one point. I mean, you guys are both in the UFC. How do you how do you like this matchup and 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 knowing you know knowing going in and again I don't want to you know just say he's not he's a one trick pony because he's not he's a mixed martial artist but you gotta imagine he's probably gonna try to get you know wrestle you and things like that so how do you like this matchup with him? Yeah, I like the matchup. Um, I mean, the same way everybody. He's got strengths. He's got weaknesses. Um, I've actually. I've actually trained with Olivia. We've trained and sparred together as well. We've done rounds. Um, so, I mean, I can't remember all of them, but I know what, uh, there's enough to know, you know, what what he's good at and, and stuff like that. But even if we hadn't trained together, I mean, you see it in the fights anyway. It's pretty much the same. You know, he's strong. He's a big guy. He's a, he, he cuts a decent amount of weight. Uh and uh, yeah, and he's got power because he's a big guy as well. Like I wouldn't say his striking's too great, but um, he has got power in his left hand. Uh, he dropped Martinez, I think, twice. Um, and yeah, he's just looked. He looks pretty fundamentally solid. Um, but like I said, uh, everybody's got uh, some weaknesses and holes in their game, and you know I've got a, a great coach that's good at. Uh, seeing these weekend kind of details and I'm sure we're going to get a, a good wee plan together to, to get the win. Yeah, absolutely. And how long ago, how long ago did you train with him? When was that? Uh, so I last, my last fight camp, I did at TriStar. I've done six weeks. That was when I fought, um, I fought in Canada. Um, oh, what was the guy's name again that I fought? Uh, um, it was UFC Moncton. I can't even remember the guy's name. Big guy, Jason Ayari. I fought him. Uh, so that would have been two thousand and eighteen, maybe two thousand nineteen. So not, not 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 super long ago. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't too long ago, and uh, yeah, um, uh, I mean, I, I can't remember too much. Like I, I know that. I know he submitted me, and I've submitted him. I know that. I remember that. Um, and uh, I, I know that he's pretty strong. Uh, he's a judo black belt, so um, most of those guys are always pretty, uh, pretty strong, good on top. Um, try my dwells. Yeah, and obviously I know he's a southpaw. Um, but yeah. Uh, 
we're quite similar actually I feel I feel like I've got pretty good grappling he's got good grappling we're both kind of big strong guys and we're both self paws we've both got power on our left hands um, so yeah I mean I've got 15 weeks uh, I think the biggest difference will be is I, I'm going to train um, like uh, like tomorrow's the end of my life like just Put everything in it. Um, you know, I'm sure he's wanting a million dollars as well, but uh, he's not got four kids to feed. So, yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna make sure I do everything I can in this training camp, and I'll be the the best Stevie Ray that anybody's seen. And uh, we'll see if that's obviously gonna be good enough. I love it. I love it. Oh, I do. I gotta say, Stevie, when you're when you're done with training, you know, when you're through this fight. And you're celebrating a million dollars. At some point, when I run into you again, you got to show me the secret of your twister. I really, I love that submission. It's my favorite submission of the year so far. Uh, I want to see that in person. You got to show me sometime. I got to see the, I got to see the, 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 the twister in, in, in person. Yeah, well, do man. I mean, I put, I put a little clip together explaining it on a uh, YouTube. I posted it on my. My Instagram, if you wanted to look at that, it's kind of like a instructional. But uh, yeah, definitely, man. If uh, next time I see you, just come and grab me and uh, just pull me over. I want to see that twister. Uh, I love it. I love uh, it. Yeah, man. Yeah, I appreciate that, though. You, uh, you know, considering, you know, I remember we talked, it's going back several years when you were, when you were getting your new contract in the UFC and you were kind of living through some uncertainty, you know, where you're going to get resigned, all these kind of things. And then you retired at one point, you left the sport, you know, you walked away a couple of years away. Could you have imagined when that happened, when you left the UFC, you retired, could you have imagined, you know, a couple of years later, two and a half, basically less than three years later, you're about to fight for a million dollar prize, like, and, and a championship. I mean, it's crazy how this world works, right? Like, it's crazy how the sport works, but could you have imagined, like, looking back three years ago to see where you are, see where you're at right now? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't think that... I always knew I was going to fight again. Even, like, very shortly after I retired, I knew that I was going to fight. Um, it was kind of an emotional decision. It was, what, it was with kind of what happened with the UFC. Like, you know, I, I, you know, we, we went our separate ways after the biggest win of my career and... I was a bit depressed, if you like. Um, my knee was bad at the time as well. And I remember thinking, you know, fuck MMA, I'm done with it. I'm pissed. You know, I was I was angry. I was pissed off. And I was just like, you know, I'm done. And then a wee bit later, I was like, well, what else am I going to do with my life? It's all I've done for the past 10 years or, or whatever. Um, it's all I know and it's all I'm good at um, because of how much time I've invested in it. COVID made that break be a bit longer obviously there there wasn't a shows going to be taking on any new fighters much because the uncertainty you know shows were even getting cancelled um because of covid and and then the whole fight island thing and stuff but uh yeah i'm just obviously grateful thanks to obviously the pfl and ali for a uh, for hooking that deal up and uh yeah now like I see it as like Stevie Ray 2.0. Um, it's like, because at that time I did, you know, I did kind of question whether I still had it in me because the knee injuries, like it can play with your mental health. 
every day waking up whether my knee's going to be good or not. Um, and then obviously depressed if I can't go and train or, or if I have a fight and my I see videos of my uh, my guy training and I'm sitting on the couch icing my knee. But but yeah, thanks to uh, obviously some rehab and stuff and rest and uh, but the Bikram yoga. Um, is what's really fixed my knees. Doing ninety minutes of Bikram hot yoga, uh, consistently for, for uh, I've been doing that for, I think just over a year now, or or close to a year. And that's honestly what's healed, not only my knees but my whole body. Like every time I go and do the ninety minutes of Bikram yoga, um, it's like going to the the physio, uh, getting a massage and, uh, you know just. It just fixes my body. Uh, keeps me keeps my body from breaking down. So um, I'm thankful to that. Yeah, I am by no means in any way, shape, or form uh, an athlete like yourself, Stevie. But I played football most of my life, so I have terrible knees, terrible ankles from playing football. And when I first started doing yoga years ago, like I didn't realize like how like how much that can like help your body, but also it's like, it's a weirdly incredible workout too. Like it is not easy. Like I don't think people give yoga enough credit for like what it can actually do for you. It's kind of wild. Yeah. Especially, I mean, especially Bikram yoga because I've done yoga for about seven or eight years. Um, I've only done Bikram yoga for about a year and, uh, it's just a different level. Um, I mean, the heat for one, it's like forty degrees. Um, and then to do a workout, a ninety-minute workout in it, um, yeah, I, I just feel like it's just perfect for for what I need because I'm getting a workout. I'm getting like that heat, uh, the benefits of like heat, like a sauna kind of thing, and um, like blood flow and um, and uh, yeah, like obviously mobility and flexibility and stuff as well uh but yeah I feel, I feel like that has literally saved my career a bit um and gave me the chance to you know come back and i i actually feel like i'm you know i'm, I'm in my prime i've went from being a broken man uh with my my body not working always being injured um to i've just done three fights in four months um, which proves that you know my, how durable my body is now. Um, you know it's hard to sometimes do three fights in a year. Never mind three fights in four months. And I'm literally red. I could start fight camp again tomorrow. Um, like no injuries, uh, thankfully. Um, from the fight. Yeah. Well, uh, Stevie, you have looked fantastic. Your last couple of performances in particular have looked uh, phenomenal. Uh, congratulations again on the second win over Anthony Pettis, as well as the first win over Anthony Pettis. Uh, look forward to the fight with OAM coming up in October. Uh, enjoy a little downtime. I know you don't get a lot because this is a very busy season, but enjoy a little bit of downtime. Get back into training. Cannot wait to see you go out there and compete for that million dollars. And I really do appreciate the time. Uh, and I'm very much excited to see you go out there and compete for that championship later this year. No worries, man. Thank you. Uh, oh, did you say October? I think it's November. November. Well, sorry, I'm November. Not... Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I, it was, uh, it was October last year. Is what I was thinking of. It's October uh, last year. They did October last year. That's what I was thinking of. So, uh, yeah, 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 it yeah. used to be December. Then it was October. So yeah, they keep moving it around on me. Yeah, to be honest, I've not been told like the cement date yet, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I've seen 25th of November, whether that's 
guaranteed or no. But no, you're you're you're, um, you're right. It is it is that. I last year it was October. I remember it was October last year, and the year before that it was December. So I, they've moved it around a lot. I keep forgetting when it's going to be. But I will say this, and you know it better than I do. PFL season ain't no joke. You're basically fighting four times in about six, seven months. That's no joke. Yeah, yeah, that's that. And like I said, I'm I, I wouldn't have been able to do that two years ago. Um, you know, with with the with the injuries and stuff. But um, yeah, I'm just thankful that you know I, I've been like my my body works again, and uh, I've no I've managed to get through it pretty well. I mean, after the first fight, I was actually pretty sore. Um, where Martinez, uh, I was a little bit injured, but um, yeah, the last two fights I've came out unscalped, so um, yeah, pretty good. Um, fresh for starting the fight camp against OAM. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Stevie, again, thank you so much for the time. Uh, have a good training camp. Like I said, get a little bit of rest. Get you know, get a couple you know, a couple days off in there. And uh, look forward to you fighting for that championship and fighting for that million-dollar prize later this year. Thank you, man. Thanks for your time. Hey, talk to you soon, okay? Yeah, speak uh, soon, buddy. Bye-bye. Thanks, man. A big thank you once again to Stevie Ray for coming on the show. Always uh, good to chat with him in a really fascinating interview. Uh, with him coming out of his big win, uh, big back-to-back wins over Anthony Pettis. And, of course, a big thank you to Corey Sandhagen for joining me on the show this week. Always one of my favorite interviews, uh, one of the most well-spoken and intelligent guys in the sport, uh, and I always enjoy talking to Corey. I uh, want to say a big thank you, of course, to everyone that tunes into the show each and every week. We appreciate it. Make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, you can always find us over on MMAfighting.com, the best website in the world. We will see you guys next week for another edition of the fighter versus the writer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. You're listening to the Vox media podcast network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.